2: You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast Post Game show brought to you by DraftKings, America's number one sportsbook app, joined by the great Ben White. I am merely Mike Luke. All right, Ben, we've got a lot to get to in this show. First of all, big shout out to everybody that showed up here. A lot of people out here back in the A. Awesome stuff. 94-85 Arizona wins. And honestly, Ben, we're going to break this all down, but what, give me your initial thoughts first.
3: Yeah, I just thought initially, you know, there was obviously some cause for concern there, especially in the first half. And the majority of the first half of the second half of the way Stanford was hitting threes. I mean, it was kind of a dose of deja vu as to how they played up in uh, the Bay Area about a month or two ago when these two teams met in the regular season. So I thought for 32 minutes of that game, Arizona might have been in some trouble. But obviously in the last eight minutes, their guards were able to pull through with some big key turnovers and really turn the pressure up defensively. And Arizona was able to squeeze out of here with a uh, 11 point win. So pretty good considering the circumstances. And
2: again, I was wrong as I usually am. 95-84 was the score right there. But um, this is. This was a game, though, where you got to give a lot of kudos. To Umar Ballo early on, the leader of men out there played just like that, Ben. Because a lot of guys were struggling throughout, and we're going to get to all of that. Kurt Creas has struggled; um, obviously, got an injury. We'll talk about that. Pella Larson didn't play well till the end, but Umar Ballo, with that high-low action, especially early on, was the one that kept Arizona afloat and yeah. got Arizona that lead.
3: Yeah, it was immediate. I think Arizona, from a paint perspective, you look at what they did tonight: uh, fifty-four points in the paint, right? And I think thirty-two of those or so came in the first half. So Arizona was just able to feed the ball inside to Balo, didn't really have an answer for them. Spencer Jones and those guys up front just obviously don't match up with Balo and Tubelis very well. So Balo's one of those guys where once you get him going offensively, he's really what kept Arizona afloat. I mean, you got to remember, too, the majority of the first half there, Stanford was shooting 71%, 72% yeah. from three. I mean, these are video game type numbers. And it's amazing that Arizona was able to still have that five to seven point cushion. And it comes down to, what have we talked about with this team? If there's some lacks on defense, if the another team shooting really hot what's the one constant that keeps Arizona in these games it's their bigs and you right. saw it tonight
2: and that's to talk about it and, you know we we joke about the peaks yep. and uh, you know but at the end of the day these are the guys these are these are the ones that are going to keep Arizona afloat they are the iceberg peaks I guess well that was just stupid but I guess what I'm saying though is that every single game Arizona's got guys that are going to be kind of uh, and we're going to try to get into as many comments as you can yep. we can but Arizona with those two guys we've talked about it before you need to be able to get 40 points 25 rebounds something along those lines you got exactly that actually a little bit more from them and not only that they were timely Ben and like I said you had Umar Ballo that carried this team through the first half Zoo really gets going there in that second half and from there on out man I mean then you get the role players going you start getting the Pella Larsons the Sed Henderson's who we're going to get to in just a second but again God, this, this game, to me, all starts and stops with the Peaks right there. And, uh, again, why not even – That's there's never even been a better time for a DraftKings – or, excuse me, a Four Peaks read. All right, you might say to yourself, Mike, the Four Peaks, just as cool as Four Peaks, the four U of A big men – are Four Peaks, the official brew of PHNX Sports. Now, let's say that you're like our good friend, Shane Diefenbach, you're a little bit younger out there, you wanna go, you know, you wanna get some Four Peaks, that's where you go, downtown Tempe location right there, or you can come to the tap and bottle watch parties, tap and bottle watch parties again, and get yourself some Four Peaks as well. Check out the show notes and the link in the description, but again, very, very honored to have Four Peaks as the official brew of PHNX Sports. And let me just get to that disclaimer real quick here. We've uh, got a, sorry about that one. All right, just a second. All right, but you already know the best place to spend St. Paddy's Day, Four Peaks, 8th Street Pub. Of course, hang with your uh, favorite degenerates, us, and enjoy a damn good time. Must be 21 and up, enjoy responsibly. And tap and bottle, the tap and bottle watch parties. All right, now. People like Shane Diefenbach have not been to the tap and bottle watch parties. They are lesser for the they are the lesser man for it. Yes. Ben White has been there. Ben White is standing strong. And you know what? We had Matt Muehlbach come up. Uh, we've had many greats come up there. Again, good stuff. Check it out. Again, tap and bottle watch parties. And you can get four peaks there. So, again, Scott and Rebecca do a great job. Support local. That's what you want right there. All right. The great thing about this game right here, though, Ben, is that Arizona, with the way that they played in this game, you got the two peaks right there. They're the two big men. But Cedric Henderson, we yeah. got to talk about Ced right here. This is a guy that, again, uh, he took the path less traveled. Came from Campbell Univer Campbell College, I believe. Father NBA player. He's been a little bit up and down, but he's been since he's come into the starting lineup. He's been kind of a consistent guy out there. Granted, he played terribly against UCLA, but I think you could argue and I'm, gonna, I'm going to argue that point, not just could, um, but I think this was the best game of his career. You look at it, 23 points, three assists, three steals. Sed was everywhere on the court.
3: Yeah, he was, and I think he's the difference tonight between Arizona maybe winning by five or six points and Arizona winning by 11 points. I mean, you talked about timely shots. This guy was making timely shots all night, whether it was from the outside, whether it was a mid-range floater, and I think from a defensive perspective, what this team was able to do in the second half really turning up ball pressure and really zoning in on their guys because we can be honest here in the first half arizona's guards had a tough time staying in front of stanford right and that's by and large why stanford was able to make as many threes as they were they had wide open looks here and there you know making easy shots in the lane which typically arizona doesn't allow guards to do but Sed's one of those guys who not only can he get you 20, 25 points a game if need be, but he's also a guy who does so much more offensively and defensively that doesn't show in the box score. There was a timely turnover, I think, with about seven or eight minutes left, where he was able to force the ball in and then after that, Ramey follows by creating a turnover, and then Arizona was able to swing and get that momentum back after that Kertex. So uh, really good things from said tonight and definitely probably his best game for sure. All right. The great Shane Diefenbach has by the numbers ready right here. I don't know. How are we, how are we doing this
2: exactly, Shane? Because I don't have it actually on my screen. Uh, well, I, I can just read them out, to you. Right,
0: Obviously, the final score, 95, 95 uh, U of A, 84 Stanford. Uh, field goal percentage, this is the number that stands out to me, 64% for the Wildcats, right. 49% for Stanford, 47% from the three for, for the Wildcats, 48 for Stanford. Uh, but 54 points in the paint for the Wildcats is where this game really took uh, a big and,
2: part of it. And Shane, who do you give the credit to those 54 points in the paint? Tommy Lloyd? Bob? Uh, no, the players. <laughs> who, are, who are we pushing here? The peaks. So again, <laughs> again, the four peaks right there, or the two peaks right there. To, um, but here's another thing that I thought when you look at the numbers right here: yeah. Stanford goes 14 to 29 from three, 14 to 29 from three, yeah. and generally when I don't care who you're playing. If you have a team that goes 14-29, to you're probably going to lose that game. And Arizona, though, was able to, in a weird way, and again, I know that Stanford was able to, you know, cut into the lead a little bit, but Arizona was essentially able to keep them at arm's length despite that, Ben White.
3: Yeah, I mean, the margin for error for this team has done nothing but go up throughout the year. I mean, come November, December, we talked about that back in the the day of the non-conference games before heading into Pac-12 play. You'd look at somebody like Tubelas and Balo, as automatic as they were, they've obviously made progressions as well. But point being, the big question that's lingered is... What are you going to get out of your guards? I right. mean, Crease is a guy who, when he's hitting shots, he's hitting shots, you know, but at the same time, you saw it tonight, and we're going to get to the shoulder injury because Lloyd does have an update for us on right. that. But if he's not hitting shots, he's just not as effective. I, I get that he's kind of the focal point of moving the ball up the court, and I get that he's really a terrific passer, can get the ball inside. But when he's hot, when he's off and just not consistent, I think the team kind of suffers. And where Arizona's been able to make that up this year is guys like Ramey. You know, guys like Henderson stepping up, stringing together some level of consistency that we just didn't see from them earlier in the year. Guys who were hitting maybe four to seven points a game right. now are consistently, whether it's Ramey, whether it's Ballo, and Larson, shy of 10 today, still nine, but he's not somebody that we were talking about double digit right. scoring figures earlier in the year. So if you're getting, you know, two guys out of those four, giving you double-digit scoring despite Stanford shooting as well as they did and despite some of the turnovers that Juve gave up uh, tonight, you know, they're still in a great spot. I think right. the margin for error has has definitely improved, and this team does, you know, need be, go seven deep now. We've tightened up the rotation. We're at that point in the year going into March Madness where we obviously need to be there, but that team, this team just has more depth than, than it did certainly uh, in the beginning of the year, and it's been uh, – Huge in accolades like tonight. All
2: right. Let's say that you want to make some money right here, and you're saying to yourself, you know, run your pool right there. And again, if you can pull that one, uh, let's see here. Disclaimer right here. But run your pool. All right. Here's the deal March Madness is coming, and we've teamed up with Run Your Pool to give you a chance to compete in a bracket challenge. Fill out your picks for 64 teams in the tournament. Again, that's your picks right there. And get points for each pick you get right. Who's your Cinderella this year? You know, who would be your old? Cinderella because nobody ever expects anything from them. ASU. So again, <laughs> if you put ASU in there, Shane
3: D will like that.
2: Hey hey, they gotta get in first. Let's <laughs> yeah, let's, let's win tonight first. But huh? again, that's what, but here here's where it gets even better, Shane Diefenbach. First place winner gets $300 cash prize, $75 DNVR locker gift card, man. PHNX locker. PHNX, excuse me. Those those things are going like hotcakes this time of the year. Then you got second place, $150 cash prize. Third place, $50. And again, here's the cool thing. It is free to play. Here's the important dates. All right. March 12th. Uh, By 5 p.m., that's Selection Sunday, March 14th to 15th. First four play-in games not included in the bracket. March 16th, first game tips off at uh, 10.15 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. That is the deadline to fill out your bracket right there. So that's what you want to do with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now, again, um, I don't know why, but a disclaimer got cut off here. If you happen to have that, Shane, otherwise I will look this up. Um, I'll find it. Just keep talking. About all right, I will keep. I will keep talking right now. All right, but so you got Arizona though now, yeah. and we need to talk about Kirk Creasey because it does seem like we have an update on Kirk Creasey. Ben White, what are you hearing from your sources on the inside?
3: I'm hearing from my sources on the inside that it looks like it's a uh, minor shoulder injury and it will be reevaluated tomorrow. So more to come there. That's going to be a fascinating situation because again, Kirk Creasey is a guy
2: who, I mean, let's be honest here. Kirk Creasey is. Um, He's a lightning rod, I think, for U of A fans. I think for opponents alike. He is that dude right there. Yeah. And not only is he that guy, he is the guy who he stirs he stirs the drink right there. Now you could say to yourself, Well, I don't like the drink he stirs. I don't care because he's fifty nine and seven or fifty nine and eight as a starter. You know, yeah. that those numbers they speak for themselves sure. right there. So he's an important, he's an integral part of what Arizona wants to do. But Kylan Boswell right there. This is a guy that you know. He's only 17,
3: but didn't know that.
2: Yes, but Kylan Boswell though is also going to probably get the keys to the uh, uh, get, get the keys to the Ferrari right here, yeah. and. Um, I'm interested to see what he can do, Ben, if he plays the entire game.
3: Yeah, and as as he should, and he will. I mean, he's definitely a guy, like you said, he's so young. He definitely has the most upside out of all the guards on this team, and I think when you look at the way he comes in, it's not like we're bringing him off the bench in spots where Arizona is up by a significant amount, or the pressure's not high. He goes in there, and he gives them a spark. I right. mean, the stakes are high, and not only does he go in there efficiently, but he makes a timely shot immediately. Right. I think Lloyd brought him off, you know, five, six minutes into the game, and automatic three, automatic three. I think right. there were two back to back, and he's obviously a guy who swings the momentum, and I think he brings, despite being you know, 6'2", 6'3", whatever it may be, he's not the tallest guy, but he certainly brings a level of athleticism that I think some of these other guys that... Uh, won't necessarily bring. It's not to say that Carissa isn't an efficient passer. It's not to say Carissa doesn't do a great job of running this offense, but it's good to have some versatility and it's good to have guards who can do different things. And I think we're at a point in the year where you see what Boswell can do, you see what Carissa can do, and you see what Ramey can do. They all bring very unique things to the table.
2: Right, and I think what's also interesting about Boswell, though, you look at him from a defensive perspective, but first, that's a tease right here, because I have the Run Your Pool background in front of me right now. Again, here it is. Head over to, again, Head over to HTTPS uh, colon backslash play run backslash PHNX. And don't forget to get your picks in. When your bracket is live, and again, uh, Run Your run your Pool is the home of competition, bringing sports fans and friends together. Uh, RYB has over 50 games for every sport you can think of. It's a one-stop shop for everything with over 2 million players. There's no better place to play with your family and friends. Have fun right there. All right, that was done like a pro. It really wasn't. That was actually very amateur on my part. But let's talk about Kylan Boswell. Kylan Boswell is a guy that, I'll be honest, When I first watched Boswell this year, I was thinking to myself that, all right, um, it's going to take some time because he's coming off a foot injury. And not only is he coming off a foot injury, he is, let's be honest here, he just did not look right. The game looked a little too fast for him. But the Tommy, I almost said the Tommy gun, Tommy Lloyd said, trust me, he's going to be good. He's going to be one of the best point guards to ever come through here. I don't know that I go that far, but if he were to be all-conference sooner than later, it would not surprise me in the least.
3: Yeah, and I think with the the loaded gun uh, statement there is, you know, it can be right or it can be wrong. I mean, you can't say one way or the other right right now, but you you certainly, if you have to pick a direction, you would lean towards that being right. I mean, this is a guy who comes in, like we just said, right? Timely shots, can run the offense, brings a level of athleticism that some of these other guards don't bring. And um, definitely when you get somebody that young, you can mold them and develop them into whatever type of player you want them to be. And I think we've only seen two years of Lloyd, but nobody certainly here is questioning his player development. That's, uh, no. that's for sure.
2: Uh, not only is uh, somebody not questioning his player development, you might say to yourself, and we've had people that have said this, they've said, you know what? He doesn't recruit domestically the way that I like it. You hear that? That's a common refrain right there. Yeah. But, you know, the way that he develops players, you just look at this. You look at, and this is with all due respect to Sean Miller. I'm sure our good friend Shane Diefenbach would love to have Sean Miller at ASU. But he doesn't. But you look at Sean Miller, there was no way that Coloco and Ben Matherin were going to materialize in the way they did from year one or year two to year three and year one to year two, the way they did under Tommy Lloyd. You could say the exact same thing, maybe about Julius Tabelas, maybe not. He's a little bit different. But yeah. then you just go on and on down the list. You look at Pella Larson, same exact case. Um... Where an, an Umar Ballo, I think, is obviously the obvious choice right there because I'll be honest with you. When Umar Balow came here, I thought he'd be roster filler. I yeah. thought he would be a guy that throws some elbows, you know, get your bike knee pads dirty, and I mean, uh, Coloco
3: gets hurt last year, and hold, lo and behold. Yeah, right? lo
2: and behold, and yeah. now you've got him, and you know, he's a little limited. I don't think that anybody's uh, saying that he isn't, but... This was a massive game for him, and he's had massive games like this, Ben White.
3: Yeah, he has, and he was getting beaten up, beaten up what? tonight, man. I mean, we can talk about the officiating, and I'm sure we'll get a little bit into that a little bit later. But there were just, I mean, watching it courtside, I mean, there there were several instances where Stanford just totally got away with contact, just nicky nacky things that should have been called. So. Stanford was throwing the kitchen sink at him, and it didn't seem to matter. And obviously, when you're Stanford, you don't quite, you know, you have some size, but you don't have the athleticism and versatility to, to stop somebody like that. And despite the efforts that they threw at him, Bala was able to do what he was able to do. And I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, he's a guy who came in, people thought that he was going to kind of fill a spot. He was going to maybe develop into a, a sixth man, a seventh man off the bench, but nobody really thought he would be the anchor of Arizona's front court the way he's played for sure.
2: Yes, exactly. And I think with him, unlike Tabellis to a certain extent, with Tabellis, you expect him. I mean, let's be honest, when you have the talent that Azulis Tabellis does, you expect him every single game to basically go out and get 20 and 10. And I think when he had kind of that late season swoon right there, I think a lot of people were surprised by it because that's not the Azulis Tabellis that we had seen before. Now, with, uh, with Tommy Lloyd... Or Excuse me, not with Tommy Lloyd, with uh, uh, with Umar Ballo. He's gonna be a little bit more up and down right now. And by the way, appreciate everybody on there, Ben. I'm gonna get on there as well right now. I should be on YouTube as we speak. But again, this was a this was a big time game for Arizona. This was a big time look all the way around. What are you now? There are some things that we need to talk about here because this was far from a uh, this was far from a perfect game. Yep. And I think that's uh, and we need to start with Kirk Risso right here. And again, I don't want to beat up somebody that's coming off of an injury. Obviously, yep. but that te- he cannot get the technicals that he ends up getting. He can't have those happen. Yep. And it there's been multiple times throughout his career. Granted, that technical didn't come back to bite Arizona. It actually,
3: worked in their favor, which is the ironic part. But your point still stands. Right,
2: still exactly. Stands. But if you and you and I watched it up close, <laughs> having media seats right there. But he chirps nonstop to the officials, yes, and multiple times the officials told him, "Hey." Um, we need you to I need you to, you know, basically be quiet and he keeps going. I think at some point you're gonna be like, all right, dude, um you're gonna end up getting a you're gonna end up getting a technical yeah. that you're not gonna be able to come back from. And that's right. what I worry about when it comes to him.
3: Yeah, I, I think that's very valid. And I think, you know, obviously he only had two tonight, but he's definitely a guy with the way he plays, you know, he's racking in three to four, right. sometimes pushing five fouls. Right. And, you know, and, and it's just we, we go back to the Indiana game. I believe it was the Indiana or Tennessee game where it was kind of a similar situation where he was out of bounds, you know, I think making contact with an official or something just ludicrous like that that right. he shouldn't been doing. And it's one thing if you're if you're doing that in November and December if you're a freshman. It's another thing to be the age he is right. and at the point where we are in the season. Right. And you can't do it. You, you can't, can't.
2: You can't do it. I am curious to see what exactly happens with uh, – what exactly happens to all of this and with, um, you know, going forward. But he had to shoot uh, his free throw with his left hand. And um, as our buddy Jason Shear said, I'll tell you this. I would not play him tomorrow because he is so important to what Arizona wants to do. I would not play him tomorrow if – there's any chance that he could end up uh, that he could injure this more than uh, than he already did because again no matter what you say he's already a pretty he's a very important part of what Arizona wants to do out here
3: yeah and as as cool as this event is it's an awesome event if you haven't come obviously come but as as cool as the Pac-12 tournament is you know from a seating perspective and kind of what they're trying to do in March health really does have to come first at this point I think Arizona it gets interesting with UCLA as to what happens tomorrow but I think Arizona for the most part probably has a good idea of where they're going to be playing come march and with that being said right you want to preserve the health of somebody like creesa doesn't sound like it's too serious based off some of the quotes that lloyd is throwing out there but time will tell you know just looking at some of the comments here um uh, jervis williams makes a great point going back to boswell when he talks about just the confidence in his body language out there i think when you watched him come into the game you know come november you know come back in november and december early in the season like you said the game seemed a little bit too fast he looked like a 17 year old out there and For as young as he still is and as much upside as he has, he doesn't look like he's 17 out there. The confidence shows. Right. All right, guys. Have I told you about the DraftKings
2: Sportsbook app, code word PHNX? Not quite. All right. Here's the deal you can throw down $5. Again, $5. And you can get up to $200 in free plays if you're a new customer. You might say to yourself, Mike, that sounds too good to be true. It's not too good to be true because it is true right there. Everybody's on DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now, here, there are some stipulations, though. 21 and up, Arizona only. And remember, if you got a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. They'll get you taken care of again. But this is the time of the year where you want to be on the DraftKings Sportsbook app with the University of Arizona. I thought they were a good bet to be able to take it and win the championship. Shane Diefenbach said, off-record, that he predicts Arizona to win it all as well, and that he's rooting for the off, University of Arizona. Off-record, yeah. really?
0: Well, let's see. I didn't say I was rooting for them. I said it would be a good bet. But I did make some money betting against, not against ASU, just kind of knowing ASU. I took Oregon State plus 11 yesterday. But when I was on my ride here, mm-hmm. um, so that
2: that worked out. Now, let's let me ask you this. Your DraftKings pick of the week, yes. if you're saying to yourself, man, Mike. You're an idiot. I don't believe anything you have to say. Go against me then. But here's my DraftKings pick of the week oh, right I think, here.
3: I think you're gonna steal mine, but go ahead.
2: I am going to back the A tomorrow against whoever they play, whether it is ASU and the fighting Kyle Dodds, or whether it is USC. I do not care. I am backing the A. All right, what's the set if you if you're DraftKings, what's the line for both of those games? If I was DraftKings, and they're much smarter than I am, but if it was DraftKings, I would put that line at about Arizona, if you're playing SC, because they're better than ASU, no offense, I would put that line at about minus four and a half. Yeah. And if they were playing ASU, I would put that line at about minus
3: Nine, eight. Eight. Yeah.
0: What would Shane Diefenbach? I think those are those are good. I think SC would probably be, yeah, four and a half is solid. Okay. Um, SC is five point favorites tonight on DraftKings against ASU, so mm-hmm. it only makes sense that it'd be eight or nine. What about you, Ben? Why? What's your DraftKings pick so of the week?
3: So I'm obviously backing the A tomorrow, but my DraftKings pick of the week is going to come here in the next couple hours. I'm taking ASU tonight. All right, I like it.
2: I like it right there. I am all in on that one. Okay. Now, let's look ahead then a little bit to what uh, everybody's got out there, and again. Well, I want to uh, get on uh, it. Let's get to some comments we right a, here.
0: We, w- real quick, we got a super sticker, a super chat from Pugs and Hugs. Um, it's a video game controller giving a thumbs up saying good game.
2: All right. Appreciate you, Pugs and $2. Hugs. Pugs and Hugs, the goat. Appreciate I, you. I am technologically insufficient, as anybody that knows. So I didn't even know what any of that was until I had to message somebody and say I have no clue what this is. By the way, um... Uh, I will be on Fremont. I will not be ziplining later, though, so I will... uh, That is not going to be in the equation right there for people that... uh, The people that are curious about it. Um, But now let's talk about... Let's talk about U of A going forward, Then whether it is ASU or whether it is USC. The one thing that I do think... that that I think that USC presents more challenges, and that's not to just uh, dismiss our friend, our good friend Shane Diefenbach, but... They are long up front. When you've got, when you've got um, uh, Big Vince, as Bill Walton calls him, Vince the Prince, Iwachukwu, or when you have, um, uh, um, excuse me, Joshua Morgan, then you got on the perimeter, you got a Trey White, you got a Kobe Johnson, you got a Boogie Ellis, you've got a Drew Peterson, they can bring you some. They can bring athleticism and size, and quite frankly, more athleticism yeah. and size than Arizona has.
3: Yeah, and I think if you're an Arizona fan, you know, as, as fun as it would be to see ASU, I think USC is obviously the much better test. Right. I think when you look at what Arizona's done this year and some of the struggles they've had and some of the concerns that we have going into March is two things, right? Athletic guards, athletic bigs. Right. And USC, while they've been good, but they have been inconsistent at times. If if Balo and Tubellas take those matchups to heart, which they should, and they ha- they have historically throughout the year. It seems like Arizona plays better when they match up a little bit better inside. Um, you're going to get a much better te- test and correct some of these issues that you saw tonight. And I think Arizona likes getting up against teams like that. Um, you know, we've talked about slow starts. We've talked about turnovers, giving up as many threes as they did tonight. If, if they're able to, to kind of fix those things and, and replicate that onto USC, it's going to be a, a much better position, I think, for them to be in come tournament, uh, come Saturday in the championship game if they're able to advance. So I want to see USC. ASU would be fun, but I think USC is clearly the better test
2: all right now there are people out there that are smarter than me that disagree with me right uh, that right here and you know what you should disagree with me because you're probably smarter than me so the first thing is um uh let's see we had somebody in here that said um that uh they believe that asu is going to be a t- would be a tighter line because of how arizona plays i get that or okay. because of how they play i totally get that i appreciate that point but I think at this point it's just more of a talent perspective that i'm looking at yeah. and honestly it might be tighter than eight and a half but it wouldn't be tighter than usc's would you
0: so who are you who are you backing in that game though shane Diefenbach? in the theoretical game between asu and u of a yes <laughs> i would probably oh. back u of a well we got a guest coming on here oh in a we have yes, got you we
2: we've got the goat coming in here the great brian jeffries and uh so but and, and, and all in all, though, I was very happy with everything that I saw out there, and um, quite frankly, this was a big game for the U of A. Now, Brian Jeffries, the man that we have been listening to since 1987, correct?
1: 1987.
2: Yes, br- 1987. Let's try to get Brian in here because we're we're s- all right. Brian, come on, come on in here. No,
1: no, no, no. Oh, oh, no, sorry, this way. This way.
2: This way. I, <laughs> I am I am slow at points. Okay. Brian.
1: How much did it cost to rent this space, by
2: the way? Um, you you know don't want to know. It didn't, Brian, because, honestly, um, they knew that you were going to be coming up here, and they said and they don't, not only that, they paid us. They paid you to come up here? They did not pay us. I was just oh, kidding okay. with you. This but is Las
1: Vegas. You pay for everything.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> Brian, this to me was a uh, – this game kind of encapsulated Arizona to a T this year in that when Arizona plays its best ball, they are led by Julius Tabellis and Umar Ballo down low. That has been yeah. their strength all season long, and honestly, that's, I think, what it needs to take them. Now, granted, they have a lot of other players that we can certainly talk about, but those are the two guys that I think really need to spearhead that attack.
1: Well, if you go back to that game at Maples Pavilion, you know, Tabellis got in foul trouble. We know the story there, four points, no rebounds, and Bolo didn't really have that big a game either, right. and so that was part of the game plan. They wanted to go early to those guys. They wanted to establish their game in the paint because of the fact, as you said, that's really where – you know, they've had their success right. this year, and I think it was very important to get that done early. And then Cedric Henderson, I think, probably caught the Cardinal a little bit by surprise right, yeah. with his first half and his entire game. Uh, but it was the big guys that, that set the tone and so consistent throughout the game that, you know, they played the way they have so much this season. And, you know, what's that, nine games now over 90 points, yep. I think? Right, and so, yeah. Uh, the, the offense was at its best tonight, there's no doubt about it. And,
2: you know what, they were able to pick some pieces up again, because Pella Larson, until the end, didn't have his best game, mm-hmm. Kerr's obviously dealing with a little bit of a shoulder injury, but like you said, you had already, you had Cedric Henderson picking that up, Courtney Ramey down the stretch making some huge buckets, but just going back to your point with Cedric, he's been, you know, when you get guys from smaller schools, they can be very much hit or miss, because again, you're playing against a much le- smaller level of competition, but as the year has gone on, and granted he didn't play well against UCLA I get that but he's kind of been that jack of all trades for Arizona that I think if you were to ask Tommy Lloyd if you knew you would get this before you got him I think he would sign up for it every day of the week
1: well absolutely I mean his experience number one he's got size he's got length he's a, a very good defender and we saw that tonight even though Stanford shot the ball well Arizona was able to get enough done I think in the second half that they, they stretched there where they kind of took away their three-point shooting and Cedric deserves a lot of credit for that um Both he and Courtney Ramey, because they're transfers, they've both been in conference tournaments before, so they kind of know what this setting is like, and I think that was important, and I think you saw both those guys were very uh, confident in the way they played tonight because they've been in the setting before. Next week is going to be the fun one for both both of them, Um, probably more so for uh, for Cedric, because that's why he came to Arizona, to get to the NCAA tournament. But anyway, uh, yeah, you know, Henderson did what he needed to do tonight on both ends. I just, like I said, that 16 points in the first half came out a little bit out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, nowhere. right. But it was huge because Stanford was draining threes in the first half, and so Arizona had to keep pace. They didn't hit the same number of threes, but when you got a guy that can give you 16 like that, in unexpected ways, it, it, it gave Arizona the lead at halftime.
2: I, you know, it's with this team, Brian, I don't know that Tommy Lloyd, and again, I think by this stage, everybody knows when you're the winningest coach in college basketball history, Through two, you, you know a thing mm-hmm. or two. I always wonder, though, if he's maybe not getting quite the credit he gets just because you lose Ben Matherin, you lose Daylon Terry, you lose Christian Coloco. And I'll be honest with you, before the year, I thought this was a team that was probably more in that 20 to 25 range, and now you're looking squarely at possibly being a two seed or a three seed, you know, depending on who you look at. If you win this out, what he's been able to do with this team, with a a much different roster, with a Julius Tabellas taking the lead, I think is something that maybe some people are taking for granted.
1: Well, I think the Arizona program, unfortunately, a lot of people take for granted because (laughs) they've been so good for so long. And so, yeah, the expectations are high. And I remember talking to Tommy before the season started, and he said, look, I know. The bar is set high here. Right. And it was almost unfair how well they did last year to him because then everyone said, oh, look what Tommy Lloyd did. So they need to do the same thing again and again. Right. And when they didn't win the Pac-12 this year, there were some disappointed people. So, wait a minute. You know, what happened here? Well, Give UCLA credit; yeah. they yeah. were the better They're team good. this year. Yeah. They are very good, <laughs> but Tommy's done it with a team that's not as athletic as last year's team. But he went to the transfer portal, brought in. We mentioned Cedric Henderson and Courtney Ramey. Kylan Boswell has grown up before mm-hmm. us here; still only 17 years old, no. getting better all the Didn't time. Know He's that. only 17. You didn't know that? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I, I checked his ID, you know. I, I said, you cannot gamble while you're Brian here. Brian Jeffries, a man of all seasons. Not only does he ch- card you, he also calls the game. And, uh, you know, they, they expected big things from Umar Balo yeah. and Azula Tabella simply because of their maturation from one year to the next. And with Umar playing behind Coloco last year, He worked so hard during the offseason with Chris Rounds to get ready, and it's paid off. And Azulis Tabellis, it was just one of those things where you know how good he was last year. They knew he had a a chance to to step up. So, you know, Tommy was able, I think the the teaching, the preparation they had going into the season uh, was a real key. So I'm not surprised that, you know, they won 26 games right right now. They've just had to do it in a little different way than last year's team did. Brian Jeffries, do you like pizza?
2: yes pizza with seafood on it well sure i'll eat i'll eat anything with seafood <laughs> okay well here let me tell you about mountain mike's pizza real quick i am not mountain oh, Mike. Great, here we go a plug i <laughs> am not mountain mike but uh, oracle and wetmore mm-hmm. check it out they've got great pepperonis they got big time pizza and it's a great place to go and watch the game listen to brian jeffries while you're watching the game or whatever you might do but again oracle and wetmore good food good drink whether you have family, whether you have kids, you can go there. Mountain Mike's Pizza, Oracle, and Wetmore. Do they deliver? Uh, I believe they do. What's our address here? Or I so. was going to say. <laughs> and you know this shows you how smart Ben White is. I didn't even know. They are in California. Yes. I thought they were just limited to Arizona. Do you pay
1: Ben's, wa- Ben's way here,
2: by the way? Yeah. do you? When Ben comes to Tucson, he stays with me. How about okay. that? So, you know, he stays in the guest room. So I give Ben that. Um, but I will say this. Let's talk a little bit about Kylan Boswell because I'll be honest with you. Um, when Tommy Lloyd said before the year, and I shouldn't have doubted anything he said because everything he said generally turns out to be true from last year that Coloco could be defensive player of the year, last year's team, he said this, guy, this kid has the potential to be one of the better point guards to ever come through here. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've lived it. You called it. You know, we've seen the Bibbies. We've seen the Terries, And I'm not comparing him to any of those, but that's a high mark right there. Mm-hmm. And when you watch just the maturation of this young man at 17 years old and what he's been able to do, Brian, not only is the future now, but it's exciting to think about what he's going to be able to do going forward.
1: Well, you know, the interesting thing to me, what Tommy has said, is that when he went and recruited Kyle Linn and watched him play, he recruited him because of his shooting ability. Right. And it's turned out now that his defense and his ability to run the team have kind of outshined his scoring and he you know he's taken a back seat and again to show you his maturity instead of coming in and saying, "Hey, I'm a big scorer from high school. Yeah. I'm going to shoot the ball." Yep. He's he knows who the scores are on this team. So he's gone through the other tack, he's become an outstanding defender. I mean, I think he's defenseman. I think that he's the best on-ball defender, and I'll get an argument, I know, from Courtney Ramey and Pella Larson on this, but I just think he is a a tremendous defensive player. And uh, he's going to be a great scorer starting next season. I think you're going to see him easily average in double figures, but to his credit, uh, he's letting the other guys do the scoring. Uh, He runs the team when he needs to, And again, I just love his defense.
3: Ben White, you've traveled all the way. You got a chance to talk with the GOAT. What do you got? Yeah, I think when you look at Boswell, I mean, not only is he somebody who's only 17, but I think what you said, Brian, what really hits the nail on the head is you look at what he does in things outside the box score. I mean, defensively, he's somebody who, at times, I thought tonight was Arizona's best defensive player. And you think he forced a couple turnovers, really shifted the momentum in the second half. what kind of point guard does this guy go down as come program time whenever he leaves?
1: Well, I mean the the fact that he's coming off the bench as a freshman where a guy like, you know, Mike Bibby started as yep. a freshman. Uh, he may not end up with the same career numbers as some guys that, and I don't know. You know, hopefully he'll stay for four years, but yeah. y- you don't know. We can be we can be selfish there. Okay. Well, Good. I hope so. And uh, I just I'm interested. You know that jump from your freshman yeah. to sophomore season. It's always considered probably your biggest. And so I'm just looking forward to seeing, you know, him come out now as a scorer next year. Right. Yeah. And, and being a guy that not only can run the team as a point guard. But can be a scoring point guard, and that's that's you know a great dual threat to have.
3: If you're an Arizona fan, do you want
1: USC or ASU tomorrow? You know, that's a great question, Ben. I don't know. I mean, you know, yes, Arizona beat USC twice, handled them pretty good in Los Angeles last week. Uh, a miracle shot by ASU kept right. Arizona from sweeping that. I, I, they're they're totally opposite teams. Right. USC's yeah. got length. Uh, defense. They've got Boogie Ellis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cats did a great job against Drew Peterson last week. Uh, ASU's. How do you put it? I mean, they are just—they're a dangerous team because if they get hot, yep, you know they can beat people. Now the question is, you know, are they? Can they get hot? Arizona's defense is no matter who they play tomorrow night. Their defense has got to take a big step up. When I talked to Tommy this afternoon, actually on his radio show on Monday night, and I said, you know, what's the one thing this team needs to do next to, to be successful in the postseason? He jumped right away to defense. Right. Arizona's given up 80 plus points in four straight games now. Right, yeah. You know, Stanford shot the ball really well tonight. And so Arizona cannot allow that to continue. They've got, and I, I heard Tommy in his, his press conference here after the game tonight said, Even though Stanford shot the ball, he was very proud that Arizona uh, uh, pressured them defensively. Mm -hmm. And so you do that, and and you're going to force a lower shooting percentage. So I think that's going to be the key tomorrow night. No matter which team Arizona plays, they've got to pressure defensively. Uh, I just think USC's height is is a problem. Because it's
2: something you can't really recreate. And that's one thing that when Arizona goes into a game, they're taller than most teams. They're bigger Mm -hmm. than most teams. And USC is one of the few teams, you know, that can counteract that. Let me ask you this, Brian, before we sign off. What – I think there's this misconception about Tommy Lloyd out there that, you know, he's just kind of an all shucks, happy-go-lucky guy. Yes, he's he's a nice dude for sure. But you watch him, I watch him, he will get on players. Mm -hmm. And he will get on players throughout the game – if they are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, it's all—it's not just all shucks and smiles right there.
1: Oh, absolutely not. And in practice, he's the same way. Uh, I admire him because he's not a, he doesn't swear. Right. You know, he, he's not a derogatory uh, criticizer of players. He does it by teaching moments. Right, and yeah. so, yes, he makes them very, it makes it very clear to them when he's unhappy with something they've done. But he does it in a positive vein where He wants to get their attention, and, look, you need to do this better, and they listen to him because of that. They respect what he has to say, and that's why this team has improved in so many areas this year. And, you know, Tommy is all into preparation before tip-off. Right. Because you notice, you know, it always interests me, and I saw it a lot with UCLA when we were in Los Angeles last week, and until you actually are at the game, you don't notice that – they rarely run anything without mick cronin telling them what they're right. going to run right it's very much look over to the side yes. yeah. yeah yeah tommy's totally opposite that and tonight i there was one time i think i don't know if it was kerr or or if boswell was in there where they looked at the bench and tommy right. just looked away right. like you know what you're supposed right. to do right yeah. and that's what and that's why they've been so good with their their fluid motion and so on because they work on that all week in practice yeah. and The question is, do they execute during the games? Well, they do, and that's why they've won 26 games. How critical is that when you
3: have young guys like Boswell and guys coming in who maybe are, like Mike said, fringe 20, 25? Mm -hmm. How how, um, crucial is that when you have guys who are able to come in and they know they're in that spotlight, they have to make the correct
1: decision? Well, I think the trust that the coaches give them, and they give them that from the first day of practice to say, this is your team, we're going to show you how to play to win games you now need to go out and execute what we show you. And so I think that's what they learned. You know, Kerr found that out right away last year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's his right. show to run, and right. he, that's the way he plays. And Kylan has learned that now this year, that he doesn't have to look over at the coach to see what the play is. He knows, based on you know, what defense they see coming down the court, which way they're going to go. He is the great Brian Jeffries. He is Ben White.
2: I am merely Mike Luke. You have been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast post-game show. Big shout-out to our guy Shane Diefenbach back there for making us, at least making me sound cooler than I should be. We will be back with you tomorrow. You have been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.